Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S-Y-N-E-R-G-Y theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hello, friends. It is November 21st, 2021, as I record this, and this is Episode 9. We recorded this interview on July 7th, 2021. Yvonne Conybeare is a director and actor and lives in New York. Robin Wiggs is a writer and improv performer and lives in London. I met them in our Improv 4 class online, and I knew I had to interview them together. Yvonne and Ken Adams, director of Synergy Theater, are old friends, and so we talk about Theater Sports New York and the origin of Ken's play-by-play. Yvonne has insights on how our defensiveness affects our improvisation and how to overcome it. Robin joins the interview a bit later, and we talk about improv in London and how Robin prepares for performances. Make sure that you listen all the way through the show for something a little different at the end. One final thing. It's not too late to get in on the subscriber level for Synergy Theater's new season of in-person shows. It's an incredible value. Not unlike Yvonne's experience in getting in to see Chicago City Limits when she was a student in New York. We talk about that too. Go to SynergyTheater.com and click on Performances. Okay, on to the interview. Thank you so much for being here. I've really enjoyed our time together in Improv 4. It has been so fun. It (laughs) has been so fun. I love Improv 4 and I've been in the class several times, but this time, don't tell anyone, I've especially liked it because the, the people in the class, yourself included, have just been so, so good. I have, I have a secret to tell you. Yeah. What you just said, it's being broadcast to the world and everyone's going to find out. Uh, no. <laughs> I, well, I, hopefully I'll be forgiven. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm, I'm thrilled because it was, it, I found the same thing. It was just uh, such different everybody is so different and original and and that's so much fun to get those wildly different voices together it was green it was just great i hope to see you again in class um yes i i would love to know what your first experience with improvised theater was well i first saw improvised theater when i was a uh, theater major at marymount manhattan college and they had activities office has tickets especially in New York, they have tickets for everything. And I was at that every weekend, I'd go get tickets for stuff. I saw a lot of theater and they had $3 tickets to Chicago City Limits, which was in the neighborhood. I went and, and then I was addicted. I just like, addicted is a strong word, but you know what I mean? It's just like, I went so often and I, I had a hard time getting people to go with me because they didn't know what it was. And uh, that I said, oh, it's like, you know, it's like what they do on Saturday Night Live when they're doing it right in front of you. And they just said, they're kind of like, they don't believe that anything can be as good as television. And and most of all, most of all, the tickets were $3. And people thought, well, you know, they're just trying to pay for a temporal show. No, <laughs> it was amazing. Robin Williams dropped in a couple of times. And a lot of other 
really well-known comics who I didn't know were well-known comics. And what happened is they'd come out and say, we have a special guest tonight and they announce it and people go crazy. And I'd say, okay, let's see what, let's see what that is. And they were very funny. So you can imagine how thrilled I was when the um, summer before I was going to graduate, the theater department offered a, a summer workshop, an intensive workshop in theater, which ended in having a performance of theater sports. The acting teacher was Christine Farrell, who was one of the founders of the theater sports team in New York City. Could you please tell us, for people who don't know theater sports, what that is? Theater sports is a form created by Keith Johnstone and Moose Moose Theater. And he has inspired actors all over the world to start teams to perform in competition so that that with judges who give ratings for scenes. And it's a trick on the audience. Just because, uh, as he says, improv scenes succeed about 80% of the time. And there's a lot of terrible work that goes on in improvisation and you laugh it off and you do try again. And so a format that makes that entertaining is to have judges there and encourage the audience to boo the judges when they read scenes really lowly instead of booing the actors. And so the, the audience becomes supportive and excited to see how each team is going to do. And the teams make a big show of being competitive. And, you know, it was different members on the teams each week. It was like there was not real teams. It's there. There's teamwork going on. But the teams, are, it's a show about competition. It's not a competition. And it's just really fun. It's a great format to contain improvisation. It's a format that works. So I fell in love with theater because of feeling like a, an outsider and because of my creative and impulsive instincts and being, you know, like dreamy in school and all ready to spend hours in my basement drawing or dancing to music in my house and, and not so into homework and that kind of thing. And then in middle school, theater became available. I was in a couple of plays and that was it. I thought I'd found my people. But that doesn't mean that on stage I'm... Or then on stage, I was actually present and with others. I was in my head all the time. And I was just full of fear. I, I, in action, I was really, I remain really bold. I'll do new things and I'll go new places. And I moved to New York. And I decided in a week I was moving to New York. And my sister and I got in a car and boom, I was in New York getting an apartment with a girlfriend. And I said, oh, this is a good decision. I'm staying. So I was certainly spontaneous, but really uncomfortable with other people. And yet I just loved, absolutely loved theater because, and acting because it provided a structure in which one could be outgoing, which made it very safe. And that put me right through my acting in, at Marymount and I got a medal there and so on. But in the improv class, I found out there's a deeper structure and it has to do with conquering the very human instinct to stand one's ground, be afraid to do something bigger, to act on what you think of immediately, trying to be right, trying to be original, all that stuff. And I just thought, this is it. Like, wow, a deeper structure to enjoy everything about theater more and also to learn to trust one's creativity and to not only do it, but after doing it, not go, oh, it wasn't good enough, but doing it and just Make it that's good enough. That's what I could do. And this, that was for me a revolution. 
And then when I finished my theater program in Marymount, I, uh, because the thing I got the most support for and what I really loved to do more than anything else was direct. And uh, so I became a director and I went to graduate school for directing and it was wonderful how much this bled into everything that I did as a director. And again, I flourished there. It uplifted me. And I saw that people who did it were also, at least on stage, I mean, backstage, everybody has their works, but on stage, <laughs> it, it made everybody the best self they could be in that moment if they're striving for these things. Not in a nutshell at all. <laughs> That's perfect. Now, Ken has said that the two of you go way back. So yeah. can you tell me that story? Yeah. I was, you know, I said I was a director of Brooklyn College, the conservatory program there for both a BFA and a MFA for acting. I was getting my master's there. And I was, there was a lot of stodginess in the department about doing improv stuff like classes and so on. I realized I wasn't going to get that, even though I would bring that to my work, I wasn't going to have the excitement of, of what I had learned from theater sports. And also at the time I was an intern for the theater sports team who had done the improv workshop the year before at Marymount. So there was a Brooklyn. And so I just started a team. I invited anyone on campus to come and Ken appeared. And I don't know if somebody brought him or as he tells it, he was at Brooklyn College studying something he didn't want to study. So because, you know, to, to get a job, I don't know what. And Ken was already an established playwright. And he, I mean, he won an award when he was young for this wonderful play that I, I got to see produced. And he brought so much to the team. First of all, he was free, you know, spontaneous, really willing, willing to fail. Let's see, really big improv lessons, being willing to fail. And because he was so willing, rarely doing so, he, um, he had a lot of insight and, and found ways to bring this in first into his playwriting and then to bring his playwriting into improv. So when the team went in my second year to, to this college tournament, theater sports sponsored, the team just had so much fun and they really did well. And, uh, so Ken wanted to stick with it and he became, I was an intern, he became an intern and uh, that, that sort of firmed up what an intern was for the, the pro theater sports league. And he got on board with the pros and just soared. Hi there. It's just me. I have in my hands Ken's book, How to Improvise a Full-Length Play. And in the introduction, he has a few paragraphs on this time in his life. And I'd like to read a little bit to you. So here we go. I started improvising in 1989 with New York City's Freestyle Repertory Theater. At the time, however, they called the company Theater Sports New York and Keith Johnstone's Theater Sports, his brilliant showcase for short-form improvisation, was the only show they performed. I say they because my entry-level position with Theater Sports New York was that of the intern, which basically meant that I sold tickets and ran the concession booth a lot more often than I performed in the shows. From this perspective, then, behind the makeshift bar in the back of the West Side Arts Playhouse at 11 p.m. on Friday nights, I watched this amazing group of actors spontaneously create some of the funniest theater I had ever seen on stage. 
The actor part of me was itching to get on stage with them, but the playwright part of me was going nuts. What if they didn't stop improvising after two or three minutes? What if they didn't bring the lights down on the funniest joke? What if they kept on going and improvised a full-length play? My passion, my obsession, was born. He likes to say I taught him everything. He first learned about improv, and I think that he very quickly way past that. When he got to the theater sports team, he immediately brought things, insights that was helpful and funny, not only on stage, but in notes. And so, and then he, he started play by play and actually he started play by play <laughs> in my living room. <laughs> he was, he was talking about it, planning it, really excited, talking about it on the train. And I lived with a bunch of other grad students and, and then he, not that I, I, had anything to do with it. it was a, I was a sounding board for him. And then he brought this to theater sports and it way opened the idea of long form for the team. And it created so many opportunities for the entire group to try new things like we're doing improv for. It's me again. I just wanted to read you the next few lines in Ken's book. In 1990, I joined the company with full performing rights, and I brought my idea to Laura Livingston, the group's artistic director. Laura's vision had always been to innovate the art form of improvisation, and she had every intention of taking the group past theater sports. My idea for a full-length improvised play fit right in line with her goals for the company, and she did what she always did on stage or off, she accepted my offer and made me look good. I called the show Play by Play. The original version was performed in two acts and had a cast of five. Each act was 45 minutes in length. Each actor played only one character and the entire show took place in a single location and in real time. We took suggestions at the top of the show regarding either the title or the relationship between the main characters, but not during the show. The reason for the strict set of rules was to force us to develop our narrative muscles. Our goal was to take away short-form escape routes and learn to make a play. However, we soon discovered that the play-by-play structural map, the tool that I developed in order to improvise a solid dramatic structure, is not bound to this original format. Rather, it has proven to be a roadmap for telling a sound dramatic story. It just works. In fact, as we have learned through experience, the more innovative and non-traditional the format, the more important it is to have a strong narrative underpinning holding it all together. Hey, Robin. Hello, hello. Welcome. Thank you for being here. I was just about to ask Yvonne how the practice of performing improv affects her daily life. And Robin, if something Yvonne says triggers a question in you, please go ahead and jump in. Okay? Cool. Will do. So, Yvonne? It just changed the way I process things. I can't say that right away. I was great at accepting or completely present. I think a lot of the challenges that I think I did not overcome during the time I was a, a part of theater sports New York was presence. I was constantly in my head, constantly looking around me and out of me instead of trying to join it. And just that, that sense of 
being where you are when you're there and responding to your environment in that moment, that was really troublesome for me and um, more of a challenge for me than it was for other uh, players. That doesn't mean I didn't love to do it. It doesn't mean I didn't get better. I did. But I went back to directing and had a great career. <laughs> I did. One of the things that someone said to me once was that doing theater sports was really great for your personal development, but you're putting off becoming a director. And it was true. And Ken pointed out, I think it was an improv four, that my offers are not short and specific. I tend to monologue. I'm doing that right now. I have a lot more to say about how the art of improvisation has been growing alongside the understanding of human neurology. And I could tell you about that later. Robin, you had a question? Yeah, I was, I was curious as to how you felt improv affected your approach to directing, essentially. On the, on the first most primary level, when I had a vision, I just accepted it. And I had the passion that I had, which was subdued because of my very um, introverted and sort of quiet manner, which was a lot because my mind was just spin, 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 spin. I think like a lot of artists. And so it's a matter of grabbing this one and grabbing that one and uh, putting together a vision. And But that, that's a lot of time in contemplation. <laughs> so it helped me be present. This is what strikes me. Just being, instead of worrying about what other people see in it, this is what strikes me about this piece. Now I'm going to do some research about seeing how that influenced the playwright at the time. What were the times like? And then I could just like really go into it and bring other people in. I brought a lot of people from theater sports into this, these productions because they're really good. <laughs> they're really good actors and have a lot to contribute. Robin, could you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to improv? Yeah, sure. So I'd always written in one way or another. And in about 2013, I watched this pilot of a comedy show called The Carriad Show, which you can find on YouTube by this improviser called Carriad Lloyd. And it was just the funniest thing I'd seen in ever. And I thought, who is this person? I need to see them in other things. And I found out she was in this uh, improv troupe called Ostentatious, who perform long form improvised Jane Austen novels. So I went to see them above a pub in London in late 2013, and it just knocked my socks off the whole thing, just the, the joy of the whole thing and the innovation and the plates all spinning at the same time. And the fact that everybody, you know, I'd been to a lot of stand-up shows and there was always that competitive feel, that sort of tension in the room. And there just was none of that with improv. Everyone seemed to enjoy each other's company and sort of want to be there. So I just, I went off and I read Keith Johnson's Impro, and then I just started steadily taking courses in about 2014. And then it just sort of carried on from there. The first course I did uh, was with a place called the Spontaneity Shop, and they were taught by Keith Johnston via Patty Styles. And the graduation format you did, as it were, was Maestro, uh, which is theatre sports, uh, a form of theatre sports. How do you deal with stage fright? Ooh, I suppose just trying to feel... Uh, Getting, getting a system of things that I like to do on the way to shows. So I used to have a, a watch that had a sort of vibration timer on it and you could set it to every 10 seconds, it would vibrate. So, so say, say I'm doing a show in the evening and I'm on the tube in the morning, the London underground system. And so I'd be walking around and the watch would, would vibrate. And then I would react with fear to something I'd seen for 10 seconds and then justify it in my head. And then the watch would vibrate again, then go to anger, sadness, happiness, and kind of just rotate through that. And just those kind of warm ups throughout the day 
and also practicing space work, bouncing a ball, an invisible ball along the, along the street, because that's ridiculous. And you've got to be comfortable with feeling ridiculous if you're going to be on a stage. <laughs> so, you know, just doing that in public, just walking around, it, no, no one cares really. So, so just little things like that, just weaved in throughout the day, I find really help. And then also just the knowledge that once you get on stage, it will be fine. And also no one's going to die. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's just going to wake up the next day and go on. And it's just another thing. How did you find improv with Ken in Synergy Theatre? I say this knowing that it is 11.40 p.m. your time in London. So this is a late night for you. And this is at the same time that Improv 4 class is. So please describe your day, a typical Sunday for you leading up to Improv 4. And then prior to that, explain how you found Synergy Theatre and selected this class. So on a Sunday, I wake up at eight, then I have a, a two-hour workshop with Patty Styles, which finishes at, well, just a little bit after 11 normally. Is that online uh, now as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, because she's, she's in Australia and it's a sort of an international group of people. And that's, that's a really nice way to um, start the day. I do, I do that one in the cellar because of the way the house works, the basement. I've got the computer down there and a, and a ring light and all that kind of thing and some fun LED lights as well. Then we'll go to the park, you know, do the sort of family thing for the day. And then it'll get to about, and then the class starts for me at 11. And so I do that one up here, which is where you're used to seeing me with the sort of books behind me and so forth. With your fantastic bookcase. Yes. Yes. And I'm going to point out that I have read about 0% of these books. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, then it's the class is at 11, from 11 till one for me. And then I, I get up at about sort of six the following day. So the next day is a kind of a little bit murky sometimes, but it's, but yeah, it's a really nice class because Ken's got such a lovely energy to him. You know, I'm standing here at 11 o'clock and it really doesn't feel like I'm standing there at 11 o'clock. And, you know, and he's always, there's a nice physical warm up at the start as well, which is really suits me well at that time of day and uh, sort of blows off the cobwebs and, and there's such a structure and a briskness to it. As I said, you know, you know, you're never going to be standing around for any period of time and, and the way he changes things each week as well, when we're diving deeper into the format, keeps you very front footed. And so how did you find the class? How did I find it? So my friend, Lauren Bombauer, she was running these narrative drop-ins and she was just starting to work with Ken at the time. And Ken came along to one of them and that was the first time I'd ever met him. And I had his book over there somewhere, which is one of the books I have actually read <laughs> because there is a section of improv books there, which I read quite heavily. Um, 0% was not fair. Uh, yeah, I met him and he was such a wonderful presence to be in a scene with. So I saw this one suddenly came up on the website. I thought, oh, I've been wanting to do this. And this, this kind of, this kind of works out. This, and this, you know, start the day with Patty Styles, finish the day with Ken. That's a really cool thing to do on a Sunday. And it also doesn't interfere with sort of family point of view time. I'd seen those shows online and the, the sheer volume of stuff he'd been producing over lockdown, the sheer number of shows are just, wow. Are you uh, talking about the Synergy Theatre YouTube channel? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I, I sat there and I watched a few of them and I thought, oh my God, this sheer level and quantity of production going on here is bonkers. This sounds like something that I really want to have a go at being involved with on some level. Where do you hope to take what you're learning? Well, it's kind of an, it's kind of an ongoing thing. I mean, there's the personal side of it, which is good. Cause I mean, 
in about, oh, yeah, towards the end of the, the first few courses I was taking at, at the spontaneity shop, my mum died. And so I was quite an open wound sort of emotionally for a while and having, and I wouldn't equate improv with therapy, but it's because it's not, but having that sort of open space to process your emotions and see them going through you or feel them going through you was a very useful thing to me at the time. That's not to say I was sort of, you know, wailing on the floor in a, in a workshop or anything like that, but it, it was very conscious of the kind of level of emotion that was going through me at the time. And it was a very useful means to process that. And what I like about it, what I've always liked about it is the unpredictability of the moment and that kind of raw, unguarded emotional connection you can have in a, in a performance, in a scene that you can't, you can't predict obviously. And there's an honesty to it because of the lack of anything else. Yvonne, does that resonate with you? Sure. Absolutely. Have you experienced times when improv helped you? Well, when I was starting to talk about neurology, there's a, a book, and I don't remember what the name of the book is, but it's uh, System 1, System 2, or System 2. Anyway, um, it's about the fact that our nervous system is divided into two parts, the parasympathetic and the uh, sympathetic nervous system. And that System 1 is the primitive one that makes you jump back and say, no, it's the part, it's the very human part of us that helps us to to hold our ground with things around us and the parasympathetic nervous system is the part of you that is slower because it takes much more energy to um, engage in and it's the part of you that you know deep breathing yoga that slows down your mind enough that you can really make good choices and decide rather than just say no for safety's sake be curious and say hmm I wonder what's going on here. Let me be curious about this instead of opposed to it. And I think that all you have to do is add sort of the joy and the bubbliness of the delight to that choice and you have improvisation. I haven't actually considered combating fear with curiosity before. Is that a technique? Curiosity. Yeah. Defensiveness, which is based on fear, right? Well, if you really look at how communities and people work, it's more about keeping one's ground than stabilizing against something that's changing. The, the system by saying no is rewarded by stability. And the person saying yes is rewarded by adventure. And I say learning. Well, working with the two of you in Improv 4 has been incredible. It, it's I feel like I've learned a lot. I've been stretched. I've looked forward to being in every scene. Yvonne, I would love to know what your creative goals are for the next year. So one of my favorite things to do on earth is swing dance. And I am recovering from a concussion. Swing is just so effervescent and bubbling and, and, and joyful and energetic. And even when in blues, it's passionate. And you do it with somebody else. So it's like doing a scene to a live band. So you do this three minute scenes with people on the dance floor and you don't have to talk. <laughs> That's a lot of engineers are really attracted to this because it's a way to be with people where you don't have to talk and really, really be with people. I had, I've been doing it for 10 years and then suddenly I can't tell easily. So I'm back to like square one, like a beginning ballet dancer. I have to learn 
on the turn again, and turn in both directions and keep my balance in both ways. So that's interesting. So I'm spending most of my time doing that and enjoying improvisation. And I won't be taking on any plays until I'm feeling myself again. And Robin, what about you? So at the moment, I'm doing this thing called A Dozen Daring Dramas, which is uh, run by this company called The Literal Challenge. And so the idea is that every month you have to write a full-length play of some full-length, a full-length production that you're proud of. And the guy who runs it sends out a brief every month and it's a different thing every month. Um, and this is following on from a challenge they do, which is incredibly improviser-friendly called 28 Plays Later, in which you write uh, one play a day. And when I say play, the definition is incredibly loose. It could be anything from like a sort of one-page monologue up to whatever you can manage. And then the lesson of that challenge is learning to sort of stand by your stuff and also being aware of the idea that what you produce in the moment is enough for that moment, which is a very improv thing, I find. So that is something I'm doing ongoing at the moment. And improv is, I find it hard to think about improv in terms of goals. It's just kind of part of my life, really. I'd always done very organic improv in London and never, not really much narrative. So getting better at narrative, I suppose. I have a question, actually, um, Robin. Mm. When you're writing plays, do you it, like embody each character in your mind? How do you create, how does Impod help you create full characters? I think one of the things that improv is really helpful for is in identifying something in a line that you've written and saying, if this is true, what else is true about that character? And then just building out from that point and just being able to hold on to that single point and, and telescope it outwards. And I think it's a really, I think it's a really transferable skill when it comes to writing. And the, the narrative thing is that that's something I struggled with in, in plays as well. What do you mean by the narrative thing? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That was a very, very vague use of language. I just yeah. mean, um, I, I mean, play structure basically. Ah, okay. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's what I mean. And so that's doing narrative improvisation is very helpful from that point of view. And so say you're, you're, you're in a show and you're at the sort of 20 minute mark and it's a 40 minute show and you need to know what needs to happen for it all to work, uh, towards a satisfactory conclusion. I would like to know from each of you, if you could take yourself back to before you were familiar with improvised theater and storytelling in this format. What's something that you wish you could, a little bit of advice or a tip or an insight that you could send to your newbie self? It's tremendous fun to raise stakes and easy to do if you don't have a stake in it. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be your best. Do it and see what happens. Yeah. Robin? Um, I would say that when you hear the voice in your head telling you to do something or like when you feel the, the twitch in your leg, if you're on the sidelines telling you to go to a scene, trust it and just go for it. And you know, what's the worst that could happen? Yes. I love that. I wanted, I was so vague about what that book is. And I just, I just quickly, the book is by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. I think the kind of yes, that works best in improv comes from a place of taking everything in, which is a slower kind of thinking. 
I love that. I'm going to add that to my improv bookshelf, which is the one that I've read and I do read. Yes, yes it's, I will also do it's, that. It's fascinating. Perfect. Okay. Do you have anything that you want to promote? I have a narrative improv team, the name of which is going to sound um, unpleasant. They're called Murder Cats. Um, we're not, we're not, there's no murdering of cats involved. It is all about <laughs> empowered cat. The empowered, the cats are empowered. They are doing the murdering. So it's, but we do dark and dystopian narratives and you can find them on Facebook at Moida Cats, M-O-I-D-E-R-C-A-T-S, because Facebook does not like the word murder, you know, yes. <laughs> which is understandable. Well, right now my only presence is on, on Facebook and what you find is a lot of quotes from the improvisation site that Candace started and all, a lot of stuff about jazz, <laughs> dancing to jazz and about swing jazz. So I have a vision of you, Yvonne, on the dance floor and dancing to swing. I know I'm going to see a video of you twirling and it's going to be beautiful. I know I ha I, it's in my head already, so I know it's going to happen. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you both so much for taking the time to be with me this afternoon, this evening, and tonight. <laughs> Thank you. And I hope to see you in class soon. Mm. Are you guys going to do improv for again? Yes. Oh. Yes, I'm coming back. Okay, great. I really look forward to that. Okay. Mm. Bye, guys. Thank you, Sarah. Yes. Bye. Well, you've reached the end of the show. It's just me now. But wait, something is missing. What do we always do before or at the end of a show? That's right. Robin, Yvonne, and I had such a good time talking, we ran out of time and didn't play our usual end-of-the-show improv game. Well, I couldn't just let it go. So I asked Yvonne and Robin to record themselves, each, creating a story-spine story. Now, Usually, when we're in class and we do the story spine exercise, we take turns with our partners as we recite the story spine outline. Ken describes it in his book on page 25 like this. The story spine is an excellent exercise for learning how to build a well-constructed story. Simply improvise the endings to each of the following sentence starters. Once upon a time, every day, but one day, because of that, because of that, because of that, until finally, and ever since then. And then he has a note here at the bottom of the page. When I first created the story spine, it didn't have a name. I simply called it Once Upon a Time. It was Cat Coppet, formerly of Freestyle Repertory Theater, who dubbed it the story spine. Kat has used this exercise to great effectiveness in her innovative corporate training techniques. She writes about this in her excellent book, Training to Imagine. So I gave Yvonne and Robin the same task. Create a story spine story about a dancer who had lost the ability to dance. They sent me their audio files and I edited the stories together. And now here's the world debut of the Dancer by Yvonne Conybert and Robin Wiggs. Once upon a time, there was a dancer who loved to twirl. Once upon a time, there was a dancer named Elaine who lost the ability to dance. Every day she twirled and twirled on stage until one day she fell off the stage. And every day she would stare out of the window, looking at the children playing in the park over the road and wondering what it would be like 
to feel those tingles at the end of her feet again. But one day, she woke up to find an angel sitting at the end of her bed. Because of that, she was fired from the company. Because of that, Elaine realised that she had to take her fate into her own hands. Because of that, she went out on her own to discover new forms. So she called an Uber driver. And because of that, she arrived at the cliffs. And the man asked her what she wanted to do. And because of that, she said, push me. And he did. And because of that, she fell over the cliffs and suddenly felt a great sensation in her arms and legs again. The tingle was back. Because of that, she discovered that leaping is as much fun as twirling. Because of that, she flew, did pirouettes, somersaults in the air, triple axles, flying round and round, barrel rolls, everything that she'd wanted to do when she dreamt as a child. Until finally, she flew up, straight up, like an arrow, through the clouds. And finally, she created a new company that leapt their way across the stages of the world. And ever since then, Elaine has stepped lightly through the world, aware that there's more than just the physical to think about. And ever since, she has found that doing your own thing is better than doing what you're told. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to SynergyTheatre.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theatre offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theatre is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theatre is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.